This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, November 7th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. And a lot going on, a lot at play. Clearly, we had, I would say clearly, I guess we have a trade deal. I don't know. Who knows? It's uh, a lot of misinformation and uh, contradictory statements from both sides. And the market initially liked it starting the day and ended out the day not a lot lower, but definitely was more skeptical by the end of the day, I think. Uh, And that's why you saw the market kind of come in. And there's a a lot of news. We're still in the midst of earnings season. We had a pretty big, uh, some pretty big reports, interesting reports. Disney was after the bell today. We had Expedia after the bell yesterday, which is what I'm going to talk about here in a little bit. So there's still a lot of news on the earnings front to come in and a lot of variables at play in the market. So you are here for unbiased guidance and that's what I'm here to give you. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and thank you for joining me today. I hope you will call me with your investing and finance-related questions as soon as you can. Our show goes by rather fast, so get your call in sooner rather than later, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. And when you pick up that phone, you ask your specific question, then we can give you a little bit more advice and a little bit more context to your particular situation as opposed to just talking more broadly. I like to address particular situations because that teaches our listeners individually as well as a group because we're looking at real-life problems, real-life questions. So anything you have on your mind, don't hesitate to reach out. Now, Steve Peasley is in New York City today and tomorrow conducting his no-cost portfolio review consultations. These are sit-down, one-on-one meetings where he analyzes listeners, individual situations. So you can actually connect with Steve, sit down with him uh, and meet with him. Actually tomorrow, I believe there's one spot left. So if you do want to meet with him, just reach out to us at investtalk.com and you can get your spot. Just click on portfolio review. Now my main talking point today concerns the market news. Netflix shares have surged 2,300% since 2000, but the top performer actually did much better. We're going to reveal which one that is. I'm also going to touch on this Expedia news because I think it's an interesting story, not just in and of itself in the travel industry, but it kind of hits home to the power, the power that the Googles, the Facebooks, the Apples, uh, you know, the, just the companies that deliver us information, you know, Twitters of the world, all of these big social media search engine, which is really just Google, uh, uh, businesses that serve us up information on demand and really control the way we see the internet. And this is becoming a an internet world that is becoming harder and harder to, to navigate as a company, getting harder and harder to stand out without the help of the platforms, right? These are platforms, really what they are, 
And this is what's driving the narrative behind breaking up monopolies like a Facebook, like a Google. So we're going to touch on that. Also, Tesla's quote-unquote profit for their third quarter, we're going to dive into why, once again, that is not a fair way to look at the quarter if you're looking at it objectively. Also, a, a story I didn't get to yesterday, which was 401k contribution limits are moving next year. We're going to talk about where those are moving as well. But ultimately, I want to know what is on your mind. So give me a call, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We have the Dow up pretty decent today. About, uh, let's see. The Dow up. Uh, that's a, I don't care about the Dow. The S&P was up about 0.42%. Small caps up about a quarter percent. We were up much stronger to start the day, and we kind of faded throughout the day. To me, this felt like a very buy the rumor, sell the news type of thing, right? We rallied into this quote unquote news that we're gonna that we're having a deal and they're gonna roll back tariffs in phases. Still don't know what those phases are and what are required to hit each phase, etc. cetera. Uh, but to me, this seems just like a headline that doesn't have a lot of substance behind it, or at least the substance is extremely unknown. It could be very wide ranging, it could be very strong, it could be very important to the global economy, but it also could be minor and not really change the trajectory of the economy and where tariffs are are going in a, in a sustainable in a substantial way. So still a lot to be figured out uh, with the market. I think we'll we'll know over the next week, two weeks, whether or not the details come out and whether this is actually something that is likely to be passed and likely to be impactful economically. And you've already seen a push off, a push off of this offshore, first off. To, it's not going to be signed here in the United States. I don't think the Chinese government is going to put themselves in that situation where it looks like they're coming to us for a deal. They want it to look like we're coming to them for a deal and that we needed it more than they did. Remember, the Chinese leadership is all about optics. They care about image and how things look as opposed to how things really are. Trump is similar, but in a more extreme way, definitely on the Chinese side. So that's part of why this has been pushed out, probably not signed until December. And I don't, once again, the details are not out yet. The devil's in the details and we'll see how the market reacts once, once those details actually hit. That was the market today, kind of a buy the rumor, sell the news type of day. Modestly up after a modest down day yesterday. 8899 chart, 8892 Let's get a caller question in that came in earlier. Hey, this is Alex. I just wanted your take on AMD and if you think it's going to keep on this upward trend over the last few years or if it's going to hover at this current price for the foreseeable future. Look for the answer. Thanks. Bye. Oh, this is Advanced Micro Devices, and they've been on a very strong run, uh, especially since 2015, was trading at a dollar a share, dollar, $2 a share, and ever since then, it's gone on a massive run to $36 a share at the close today, and that means they've gone from losing $0.54 cents a share back then to making a $1.09 estimate next year, and those analysts are pushing down their estimates, which is it's a standard, but... Uh, that's kind of what's happening. It's a now a $40 billion market cap. And what's positive about it is that 
two, three quarters ago, you had down 23%, two quarters ago, down 13% in revenues. And then last quarter, they turned it around by growing revenues 9%. So after a fairly strong four quarter slowdown between the third quarter of 2018 and the second quarter of this year, their earnings for the third quarter this year were pretty decent. Like I said, revenue up 9%, earnings up 38%. So they've kind of turned that uh, around a little bit, and that's why you're back near all-time highs. You know, the, the industry, the semiconductor industry, is very, very cyclical. Earnings tend to fluctuate dramatically, and therefore the stocks fluctuate dramatically as well. This is a beta of 2.42, meaning it's going to be about two and a half times more volatile than the overall market. So certainly a high-risk play. The technicals are decent, but if you look at it from a weekly perspective, the MACD divergence is pretty strong, pretty weak, uh, so I don't like that. Same with the, uh, the relative strength index making lower highs as opposed to the price making higher highs. I don't like that as well. So I'm, I'm not a fan of the semiconductors uh, overall because of the cyclical nature, and this is a name that if you're normalizing for the cycle, it's very expensive. And even based on a dollar nine next year, it's a 36 times you know earnings ratio that's way, way too high. And they're not even the leader in the industry. You know, you have NVIDIA that's better uh, with the uh, the GPUs, the graphic processors. And you know they're not a bad company, AMD's not a bad company, but it's too expensive for my books right now. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. You both know that no one can reliably predict market movements. Clearly, with a market all-time highs, no one would have guessed that with earnings falling uh, on the overall uh, companies of the S&P, but that's what you get. So you need to have a portfolio that's balanced for your particular risk tolerance. Your calls and inquiries are welcome at K the KP Financial Office in Irvine, California. So don't hesitate to reach out to us via the website, via our 800 number, and find that at investtalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart Twenty nineteen has certainly been interesting for investors so far. Steve and Justin encourage you to make Invest Talk a part of your daily routine. Their unbiased guidance can be an invaluable aid to your efforts at building a strong portfolio as you work and plan for your comfortable financial future. Now, the phone lines are open, Justin's here, and he's taking your questions live. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now let's take a quick look at some key benchmarks for today. Oil was up a bit to $57 a barrel, gasoline $262 per gallon on a national average. Once again, California, locking in at the highest in the nation. Treasury yields up 1 to 1.68% on the two-year and one82 on the tr on the 10-year. Yields are up, and clearly this is a risk-on sentiment that's driving yields a little bit higher, expectations that there will be a trade deal, uh, and we close the day a little bit lower than we opened. Uh, and so this is also kind of a buy the rumor, sell the news type of event with yields rising to the highest levels, basically 
since beginning of August. Uh, that's certainly going to hurt the housing market overall, um, but we'll see if this is actually a sustained move in yields. This optimism around the trade deal is putting expectations of a Fed cut, which they've already said that they're probably not going to cut next year, barring anything major happening. Uh, and it's pushed that trajectory or that timeline out even further. So uh, that's what's happening with treasury yields. Gold was down on that fact. You know, when treasure when yields rise, gold tends to fall. Why? Because real yields actually rise when treasury yields rise. Clear. So gold was down to fourteen sixty six an ounce. Nothing technically wrong. Just continuation of this modest pullback and Bitcoin down to about 9,100 per coin. Let's go to Robert in Pleasanton. He's looking at Regeneron hey, Pharmaceuticals. Hi, Justin. How you doing? You're looking at hey. Regeneron. Are you looking to buy it, sell it, own it? Uh, I'm looking to possibly buy it. It looks like okay. um, they've come down quite a bit off of their high earlier this year. And... Um, seem like they're headed back up and it looks like uh, PE is good. Uh, just kind of like to get your take on where you think this might be going. All right, this is Regeneron Pharmaceuticals. Symbol is REGN. They develop drugs to treat diseases, inflammatory diseases, and cancer. About $36 billion market cap. So it would be a, definitely a large cap name, not a mega cap, but large cap. And they don't really have much debt at all. I love that about this name. And they don't pay a dividend, but they traded by enterprise value to EBITDA of 13-ish, which is certainly not super high, especially if you're looking at biotech names. And long-term, this is near kind of its, its low end of its range of where it tends to trade at. So I like that. And if you look at it as positive free cash flow, it's return on equity, tends to be relatively high, 23% trailing 12 months, very, very positive. Uh, and it's coming off a, a nice bottom here. I like it. I like this recent pullback. I would buy Regeneron, R-E-G-N. Thanks for the call. Great one. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have about, uh, let's see, 34 minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, you want to do it sooner rather than later at 888-99-CHART. In today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. This is Invest Talk, and you've come to the right place. Justin Klein is here now, taking your calls live. So step up with your questions, 888 99Chart. Let's go to Amal in San Jose looking at New Residential Investment Corp, NRZ. You looking to buy it, sell it, give it away? Buy it. Okay. And are you looking at that yield, 12% yield? Yes. Okay. And do you know what they do? Do you understand what they do? They're in real estate, right? One of my friends They're, they're in real estate. Trip. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is, uh, so this is a tip. Okay. Um, and just FYI, most tips are usually not very good, but 
you know, you can find them uh, by asking friends and family. But this is a REIT that invests in residential real estate mortgage-related securities. does yield okay. about 12.4%. And it IPO'd back in 2013. And it's done fairly well since then. It's now about $16 a share. IPO'd around 13 uh, And it's been paying a nice dividend ever since. So you're getting a little bit of appreciation as well as that dividend. So if you're looking over the past five or six years, it looks like it's done fairly well. Now, if you dig a little deeper into its financials, however, I see a lot of problems. Not only have, has net income dropped pretty dramatically over the past uh, trailing 12 months, from about 281 a share in 2018 to 78 cents a share. That's a big problem that I see. Uh, the dividend has now flattened out after years of growing. And the big problem I see here is share count is growing very fast. 2012, they had 127 million oh, shares yeah. outstanding. And it's basically grown every year since. Now we're at 395 million shares. That's up from 343 million shares last year. And the reason that they're doing this, the reason that they're increasing the share count, which is diluting shareholders, is they don't have the money to pay out this dividend consistently. So it's very high risk. And as long as they're able to issue more and more shares, then you're going to be fine. You're going to get that dividend. But long term, this is a problem because as they issue more shares, they're going to, it's kind of like a Ponzi scheme. You know, they issue more and more shares and they're going to have to pay dividends out on those more and more shares, right? Uh, and they're going to need cash flow that they don't have in order to pay it. So they're just going to continue to issue more and more shares. So they're going down a very, very dangerous path here. And I've never seen this actually turn out very well. So technically on the chart, it looks okay. You know, it's it's been relatively strong over the past few months. But I don't think this is a name that is safe in any sense of the word. It's extremely high risk and long term. I don't see their business model and the way they're paying out these dividends to, to be sustainable. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to go bankrupt, but they're eventually going to have to cut that dividend dramatically. Uh, and, you know, you don't want to be the shareholder holding those shares when that actually happens. So I would definitely pass on this unless, you know, you want to play it for the short term and have a, a tight out on it. You could do something like that. But this is not a sustainable dividend play over the long term. Does that make sense, Amal? Got it. Yes. So even if it is a not, uh, uh, if their investments are in a high rental, say, Bay Area housing market, even then they cannot sustain it. That's what you're saying. Yeah, because their cash flow is negative $3.4 billion over the trailing 12 months, and they're, they're, uh, they're, they're just burning capital uh, in order to pay that dividend, and the only way they're doing it is to issue shares. So it's not sustainable, even if their portfolio stays fine. They're just on a dividend path that they cannot afford long-term. Thanks for the call, Amal. 8899 chart, 8899242278. Now, Netflix shares are up about 2,300% since 2000, but it's not the best performer of the S&P. It's actually Monster Beverage. They're up even more, about 6,200%. Sorry, 62,000%. So it just shows you that you, you don't need to be in the tech space to earn high profits uh, with your stocks. It can be in your boring beverage makers, right? Uh, Apple was up about 7,400%, right? So Monster up 6,200%, sorry, 62,000%, and Apple up about 7,400% uh, in that time frame. 
Equinix, which is a REIT that invests in data centers, etc., that was up. That was next on the list. Then Tractor Supply, Berkshire Hathaway, and Walmart. Or sorry, Berkshire Hathaway and Walmart did not even make the cut. So your tried and true blue chips, they're not necessarily going to be the best winners. Now they might be safer, but if you want the big wins, you're going to have to dig down into kind of those lower market cap stocks and find those that have strong businesses and a lot of runway for growth. And I think that's the lesson here is it's not just about investing in the innovators or the exciting names. Oftentimes it's investing in names that just have good products that are growing consistently and they have long runways for that growth, right? 20 years ago, Monster Energy drinks in general just were not very popular. But as they became more and more accepted and more and more utilized in alcoholic beverages and just day-to-day for people, became kind of the ma- a mainstay of the grocery store, the, the, the gas station, etc. And it wasn't exciting, but it was consistent, it was very profitable, and they were able to grow their footprint for many years at a pretty consistent rate. So that's the lesson from Monster being the best investment over the past 20 years. 888 chart, 888-992-4278. We are at the halfway mark. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And let me remind you that the Invest Talk radio program and its podcast replays provide a daily dose of market news with unbiased commentary. Now we're heading into the break and I'm taking your questions now at 888 chart Overall, I feel pretty good about our investment decisions. But there are times I wonder if our current 401k plan could be doing better. I mean, which funds are the right funds for me? For us. You're listening to someone who could benefit from KPP Financial's active 401k program. I can't spend all my time following the market, and I'm sure it would certainly be a big help to receive advice based on real data from unbiased advisors. The active 401k program features math-based models to guide you in and out of the various investment options in your plan. KPP monitors and advises. You take action with the active 401k program. KPP clients immediately see current investment recommendations configured to match their personal plan preferences. Active 401k. Okay. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. The great thing about achieving financial freedom, you can keep working if you want to, but you don't have to. And here's more good news. KPP clients who are active 401k subscribers will receive a complimentary subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Each Friday, Steve Peasley writes a market action and trend newsletter that serves as a quick summary of the week that was. It also includes stock ideas, portfolio management information, and consumer finance tips. So enroll in the Active 401k program and also get the KPP Premium Newsletter. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. This is Invest Talk. Are you doing everything possible to make sure that your investments are performing as well as they should be? Well, there's a treasure trove of wealth building information freely accessible right now at investtalk.com. 
you'll find investment strategies and unbiased guidance. The phone lines are open, Justin's here, and he's ready for your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve. This is Randy from Gilroy, California. Got a question as to, as these interest rates move down to zero, what happens during market crashes such as 1929 and maybe the 2007-8 crash? What happens to AAA bonds and also the corporate bonds? Appreciate it. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Well, AAA bonds don't r- tend to not lose much value no matter what the market does uh, because these are very sound corporations and almost every institution wants AAA bonds at some point, right? At, at almost any yield. And so I'm not worried about that. It's corporate bonds that are low grade. And as you continue to go down the rating spectrum, the odds of them going bankrupt, especially in a time where you have economic problems, becomes exponentially higher. So if you're investing in, say, anything below triple B is what is considered junk or high yield, right? So if you go and invest in a bond that say is rated double B, and then you look at another bond that's rated double B minus, that on average, that double B minus bond is going to have a much higher, not only slightly higher chance of defaulting, but you know double to triple the odds of the average double B bond defaulting, right? And so it's exponential as you go down that ladder to, you know, single B and uh, triple C, uh, et cetera, it becomes even, you know, you're playing with fire once you get down into that low B, triple C type of uh, environment uh, with the bond market, with the corporate bond market. So as you get lower in quality, those type of bonds tend to act a lot more like equities, right? So if you look at something like HYG, that's an ETF that was around during the financial crisis, came out in mid-2007, so the market was still relatively high then. That was at about $105 a share, and it hit a low of about $62 a share. So it went down about 40% or so, not quite as much as the overall market, right? the S&P, but you can see that it acted a lot more like an equity, because in bankruptcy, that turns to equity typically, than it did an actual bond, right? Where if you look at IEF, or let's go LQD is a good example, LQD, and you go to the monthly chart. Back in 2007, it went from 108 to about 80. So, you know, that still had decent volatility, but that's a mix of all types of high grade, investment grade corporate bonds from triple B all the way up to triple A. So the higher up you go, you keep in quality, the better chance you will be able to sustain that bond in a tough economic environment. Thanks for the call. Let's talk a little bit about Expedia. Expedia had earnings after the bell yesterday, and it was not very good. The stock was down somewhere in the neighborhood of 25% today. Let's see. Let's see where we closed. Yeah, it was yesterday at about 136. Now we're at 98. 
And the reason it plunged is because of changing search engine dynamics with some of its brands. Now, Expedia has multiple brands. They don't just own Expedia.com. They have multiple. But basically, one of their biggest drivers of business has to do with the way that they can search engine optimize for people searching for traveling, whether that's rent-a-cars, whether that's hotels, flights, etc. And they said that they see incremental weakness in SEO volumes. And what they had to do was shift their marketing to higher cost channels, which hurt their cash flows, profitability, return on investment, etc. They said it's always hard to know what Google is doing. And this hurt a lot of companies uh, within the industry. Talking about TripAdvisor, that was down 20 plus percent. Expedia as well. And, and you're talking about Booking.com. Those are kind of the three big ones. They all have various exposure to this SEO market. But what this is showing you is how powerful the Googles and the Facebooks are of the world. And as you have more and more of these other companies that are being hurt by the actions and the power of Google and Facebook and the other social media platforms, there's going to be more and more political scrutiny on the way they wield those that power. And right now the focus is more on elections because we're going to an election year and Twitter banned political ads. I think Facebook will eventually do that as well. But the biggest risk with investing in these names, the Facebooks, the Googles of the world, are that they wield too much power. And they take market share from these other businesses in an unfair way. And so you have to understand the political dynamics around industries when you're investing in them because they can have major implications. And you have to also understand, like TripAdvisor, where companies derive their revenue from, how important of a driver is one lever, one particular area of their business and how much does that drive their revenues and profitability. So TripAdvisor earns 95% of its EBITDA from SEO. 95%. That's why you see this stock go down. It's been going down ever since uh, basically 2014. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I hope you are making the right choices with the money in your 401k. And I know it's hard to study the fundamentals, the trends in the market. I don't know how to allocate your particular plan options because every plan is different. This is where Steve and I can help. We have a math-based model that guide you called the Active 401k Program. We monitor and advise you each and every quarter and then you take the action. You can read more about it at the active 401k at investtalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. As an investor, you've seen the volatility of the market. To prosper, 
Serious investors need to make sure they are implementing an effective master design, a deliberate plan formulated with the right mix of strategic investing programs. KPP Financial offers such a diverse set of programs, and you can contact Steve or Justin at their offices in Irvine, California to start a conversation. You can also quickly see what you may be missing anytime when you visit investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Justin is here, and he's ready for your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Uh, hey guys, how you doing? Ben from New York, love the podcast. Quick question, my wife and I have a chunk of money, $20,000, that we are, that's kind of bonus money, and we're looking to invest in one shot. Uh, we'll just put it in uh, a broad index. We're already dollar cost averaging every month. We're on track for a decent retirement, so that's going to continue as always. But with this bonus lump sum of cash, I'm wondering what percentage correction in the market you think we should wait for. I feel like the market has been riding highs generally for quite a while, and uh, I wonder if it's worth waiting for a 10%, a 15%, a 20% correction to use this bonus since we continue to do our normal dollar cost averaging. Thanks, guys. I'll listen on the podcast. Take care. Simple answer is yes, I do think it would uh, make sense to be a little more patient. I think on the S&P, if you get back down into that 2800 to 2850 range, that's an area that I think would be some decent, at least medium-term support. And I think we do get there over the next uh, six to nine months, as, as long as there isn't some major catalyst uh, into the economy to fuel it much higher. You know, I think this recent run is a lot of about trade optimism. Uh, just like the last three or four runs that we've seen since the month of uh, of April, you know, we've had a lot of these teases about a trade deal and nothing come of it. And I think we'll have very little to come of this as well. And therefore, it will bring down the market back down to a more realistic level for the current economic environment. So I would be patient on that five to ten percent. Pull back from here is what I'd be looking for. 888 chart 888-992-4278. I think we can fit another caller question in now that came in earlier at 888 chart Hello, my name's Terrell. I have a question regarding Enphase Energy, E-N-P-H. I'm just curious, after the earnings per share is announced, the stock price drops significantly, even though the earnings per share are higher than expected. And I notice that stocks do this quite regularly, that I can't base my decision on buying beforehand off of this. I'm just curious why that would happen sometimes, even when there's no news provided, why investors wouldn't want to buy more when that is higher than expected. Thank you. Bye-bye. Great question. And it simply boils down to the future. Earnings announcements are not very much about what happened last quarter, unless there's something major, right, that has changed with their business. But it's really not about last quarter. It's about the future quarter. So companies can beat their earnings expectations today, but or for the last quarter. But if it's viewpoint of where the business is going over the next three months, six months, year, 
is not up to what the market was forecasting or expecting, the stock will get hit. And that's what you're seeing here. This is a name that has been riding high on pretty solid growth. They lost a dollar four cents in 2016. And back then it was trading at a dollar, two dollars a share, hit a low of less than a dollar. And it had a high this year of $35 a share because they're going to make $0.88 cents this year, $0.98 cents next year. And clearly, the expectation is that growth is going to slow. And that's why it's now down to about $18 a share at the close today. So that's why it is in support. I will say that 50% retrace from that 2016 low, that's kind of a positive. But I don't love it yet. I would wait till about the 1360, 1370 range. That would be much stronger support for a name like this. Let me look at the valuation because if it's going to make a dollar a share next year and it's trading at 18, that's not too bad, especially if they're growing earnings last quarter up 100, sorry, growing revenue up 131%. That's very nice. $2.2 billion market cap. They don't have much debt. I like that. That's a, I'm a big fan of that. Return on equity is pretty high. Look at their cash flow here. Cash flow is only a, less than a million dollars free cash flow. For a $2 billion company, that's pretty light. That worries me a little bit. So I don't love that. Um, but I would definitely wait till that 13 and change mark to buy the stock. But that is why it's fell because clearly expectations going forward are not nearly as bullish. And it's in the solar cell business. And the solar cell business is typically pretty volatile and in a lot of ways unprofitable for most businesses. But thanks for the call. Good question. 888 chart 888 So you get through and ask your question before we end the show in about 10 minutes. Now let's jump into Tesla's quote unquote earnings. And they did report earnings last week and they reported a profit. But if you read their further disclosures, you will see that this profit was driven more by one-time items. And if you back out those one-time items, revenue fell about 8% and earnings fell 36%. And a lot of those that, that, that was driven by changes to warranty provisions. Warranty provisions are a lot like bank loan loss provisions. And if you've studied, if you understand how bank loan loss provisions work, banks can say, well, we have more loans that look to be past due and defaulting, and therefore we need to increase our loan loss provisions. And that's going to hit profits and vice versa. They can say, well, we have less loans that are falling into delinquency. We have less loan provisions, and that actually is a boost to profits, even though there's no real profits or losses made either way, it's just what is expected going forward and whether or not those expectations are realistic or not. That's just one way that accountants and CEOs and CFOs can manipulate earnings in that way. And so what Tesla did was the exact same thing, but for warranty saying, well, our warranty provisions are going down and we expect less servicing of cars, which is kind of odd considering how many cars they've they've sold recently. And that is a net positive to earnings. 
So cash flow was still very poor. And the quality of their earnings was, once again, very poor, which doesn't sh shouldn't shock anybody. This is what Tesla does. They manipulate their financials in order to look a lot better than they do. But what it'll do is pull forward losses from the future and the f or gains from the future. And that means the future earnings are going to be hit as well. Give me a call. I want to hear from you at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they implement a very practical investing philosophy independent thinking, shared success. This means KPP guidance is not influenced by promotions or sales incentives, and KPP principles practice parallel investing. So their money participates with client investments at equal prices and percentages, thereby producing shared success. Learn more anytime at investtalk.com. And now Justin's here taking your calls, so step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, this is Rick calling from Chicago. I have a question on trading platforms uh, for research. I currently use Fidelity and it's a free resource, so their uh, information is somewhat limited. And I was wondering what your guys' thoughts were for different platforms, uh, maybe a free one, a mid-tier, and a low-tier as far as pricing uh, to get the best information. Thank you. Look forward to hearing the answer on the show. Well, we use TD Ameritrade. That's who our broker is for our clients. And we use, there's a, a platform called Thinkorswim that has pretty good research that I believe is free for all retail subscribers, retail investors. We have a, an institutional version of it called ThinkPipes that we use uh, that's very similar. So we like that. And now their trading commissions are free, which uh, you know we, we love, especially for, for our clients. So... I would, I would go with them if you're just trying to custody your account somewhere. That is who we would use. And they don't pay us to say that. It's just we interviewed Schwab and Fidelity and TD and all the big brokers that are out there. And that's who we went with. So uh, that's that's where I would be custodying my assets. And then if you want free, free information, free research, Morningstar, I think, has the most robust platform for free just data on companies talking about balance sheet cash flows etc looking at all that it, it's laid out well it's it's pretty much free now you can pay a little bit more i believe it's a hundred dollars a year i'm not sure exactly we pay you know we've been paying it for, for so long i forget what it is but it gives you kind of in-depth reports if you're a subscribing member about the overall industry its competitors it's leadership, it's stewardship as a, a board of directors, it's risks, evaluation that they come up with, which is, you know, may or may not be good, but at least they you have a starting place. I think that's a good one to start with if you're trying to get more in-depth research. We like Y charts, that gives you more data from economic reports as well as individual companies, uh, and there's search tools there, as well as Morningstar. I don't love the Morningstar search tools. Uh, what else? MarketSmith is a good 
subscription tool that gives you a lot of information in one place. Probably don't need both YCharts and MarketSmith, but both should be considered as well. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of free stuff that's pretty good. You're not going to get anything great that's free. You're going to get kind of the the simple information, and that's what you're getting from Fidelity. I, I know the Fidelity platform. You'll definitely get a step up with TD Ameritrade. Thanks for the call. Great question, and I think that applied to a lot of people out there that have some sort of investment account and where to custody it. Now, we're going into 2020. We're only about eight weeks away from 2020, and there are going to be some changes to 401ks and 401k contribution limits. It's going to go up from 19,000 this year to 19,500 next year, and that applies to 401ks, 403bs, and thrift saving plans as well. The catch-up contribution is also going up from 6,000 to 6,500. That means if you're over the age of 50, you can now put away $26,000 per year in your 401k starting next year. Regular IRAs, it's still the same. 6,000 limit with a $1,000 catch-up if you're over the age of 50. Simple IRAs are going up a little bit from 13,000 to 13,500. What else? Oh, this this uh, if you're talking about Roth IRAs, that's always interesting as well because over a certain income limit, you can't contribute to a Roth. And it's kind of a phase out as a, as a range. Starting in 2020, if you're single head of household, it's going to start at 124,000 to 139,000. So if you make over 139,000, you can't contribute to a Roth IRA. If you're married, that starts at 196 and 206 if you're married filing jointly. So if you make over 206,000 married, you cannot contribute to a Roth IRA. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve is in New York, meeting with listeners, and I return on Monday. So please remember that you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.